Joshua chapter 24. We're going to just use this. This is our text, verse 15. But we're going to be going through the book of Joshua. You may want to keep your Bible in the book of Joshua chapter 24, okay? Joshua 24, verse 15. And this is kind of a message that it's kind of a continuation of the mighty men of valor. I've been in vision mentality this whole last couple months. I've been writing messages having to do with our vision and our history of Victory Outreach. And uh, this has to go along those lines. And I believe everyone could be blessed by it and also challenged by this message. Joshua 24, verse 15. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it one more time. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you for what you've done already this far. We thank you for Pastor Esteban on his birthday. Let this be the best birthday month of his life. We celebrate all month. And Lord, let him be blessed. And also the rest of the congregation here and those that are visiting with us today, challenge us today to choose this day to serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell the person next to you, say, choose this day who you will serve. You may be seated. That powerful song, To God Be the Glory, man, it hit home on me. Did it hit home on you guys too? It brings back so many memories. You know that that Andre Crouch wrote that song. And you know he wrote that song with my sister Debbie on his lap. My sister Debbie, she was like two years old or three years old. She was on his lap while he wrote that song because my dad and him knew each other back in the day early days of ministry before Andre Cross became worldwide known my dad he was my dad's music director in Teen Challenge so back in those days they you know they, were, they still became good, good friends over the years but even Andre Crouch sang at my wedding sang at my sister's wedding so we go back a long way and you know he just passed away recently it was sad to hear him go but his music lives on. His legacy lives on. And you know, when I think about the years of Victory Outreach, I think about how many years we've been now in existence, over, close to over 48 now, come, coming on 48 years. It's amazing to see how God has continued to be with our ministry. But the key is this, is that we continue this ministry with the same vision. The vision has not changed, it's just expanded. It's expanding. It's continuing to grow, continue to take form for this generation. If you were at Mighty Men or if you weren't, my dad talked about three generations that are in Victory Outreach right now. There's the pioneer generation. Those that, like Pastor Steve, Pastor Ed, my father, even Pastor Gilbert that's here today. People like that who were the pioneers of Victory Outreach, Philip LaCruz Sr. Of course, some of the women that were involved in that as well. Pioneer generation. Some of them are still continuing. Some of them are in heaven. But then there, he talked about the Joshua generation. The Joshua generation, how important the Joshua generation is that it's, he, we're the bridge, and, and I'm in that generation. We're the bridge to the next generation, or if you will, the now generation. The people that are 
coming in now are part of that now generation. Whether you're young or not, you're part of the now generation because you're new to Victory Outreach. You get what I'm saying? So it's important for you to catch this vision and understand the mission of Victory Outreach. So the legacy will continue. So the ministry would continue and the effectiveness of our ministry would continue over the years. Psalm chapter 78, verse 5 through 8 kind of talks about that. It says, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that they should make them known to their children. This is God saying, we got to make it known to the children, that the generation to come might know them, the generation who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. It's important for us to understand that this needs to pass on to the generation, that we can't be disobedient to the heavenly vision that God has given our ministry. Joshua was facing the predicament. At the end of his life, here we find in Joshua 24, he was burdened with seeing the next generation remain faithful to God. Doesn't that sound familiar? My dad is so burdened. If you were at Mighty Men, if you were there on the Monday night, we had the minister's session, possibly you weren't there, but he was so burdened that this next generation, even on Tuesday night, he was so burdened that the next generation would catch the vision and continue with this great vision that God has given us. And see, in the end of the book of Joshua here, we see the setting that they had settled into the promised land. After wandering over 40, year, 40 years in the desert and also settling in that land and conquering that land, there they were there in the promised land. Joshua was at the end of his life at this time. And God was drawing a line for the future. He desired for them to be blessed, but on the conditions of their obedience and faith in him. See, God wants to bless his children, but it is conditions attached that were obedient and faithful to him. He was asking for a commitment. This is what Joshua was asking for. He was asking for a commitment from the people, the leaders and the influential people of that time. And I want to compare this to Victory Outreach, these passages of Scripture, and it really is relevant today. See, Joshua led by example. He fought to conquer and enter the promised land, and he felt the burden of keeping the people in God's will, keeping them pure before God. He was toward the end of his life, and he's saying, these are basically my last words to you. I want you to remember what God has done for you. I want you to remember what you need to do to continue to be blessed. I want you to remember that God still has plans for you and your future. And the same thing with us today, 48 years old as a ministry, here we are, and we could begin to decline or we could continue to incline in the work of God. I refuse to allow us to decline in my generation. I want to do my part with the people around me to continue with this vision that God has given us. We have a promise, and God is a fulfiller of his word. Joshua 24, verse 1 to 3, here we go. Okay, Joshua gathered the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel. He called for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they, can, they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, now listen closely, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. 
Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. See, first of all, God says to us, just like he did with them, with Abraham, God gave them a new lineage through Abraham, a new heritage, a new family, a new people. And the same thing, and we see that he says that your fathers were serving other gods on the other side of the river, but then I took Abraham. You see, when Victory Outreach was not even around, there was a man in New York City that was still hooked on drugs. There was a man there that didn't know God. He was on the other side of the nation. While people were running rapping in the streets, while they said, once an addict, always an addict. Once a junkie, always a junkie. God took a man. He touched that man. He delivered that man. He set that man free. And he called him to come to the other side of the nation. Come on, somebody. To take him to a place called East L.A. To meet my mom eventually at Bible school. To start a work for drug addicts and their family. Then I multiplied his descendants and I gave him treasures out of darkness. Others that were set free like him, he set them free as well. He set free Gilbert. He set free Pastor Steve. He set free Pastor Ed. He set free that first generation of men, Philip Lacruci. He set free Cal Amara. He set free all these people. He started, started a new lineage, a new family, a new heritage, mm, a new way of life. God broke the curse on many of these families. Now their children today are serving God. Many of them are continuing with the ministry, continuing with this legacy of faith. And it's not just their children, but their spiritual children as well. God raised up these first few men to begin to raise up a new family called Victory Outreach. Mm. So God says, secondly, not only I give you a new lineage, but I will fulfill my promises. He told Abraham I will multiply his descendants and it was a miracle that he was able to do that through Abraham, who was elderly, very old in age. His wife was very old, too. It was a miracle that they were able to conceive to have Isaac. He tried it his way first, the man way, because she said, go with Hagar. She's, 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 she's able to conceive. Then we get Ishmael. That became a problem. It's still a problem today. They're descendants of Ishmael. But then when God fulfilled his promise, it became a new family, a new heritage, the promised children. And he fulfilled his promise to Abraham in seemingly impossible circumstances. Just like Victory Outreach. Seemingly impossible circumstances. Victory Outreach, man, we had a promise. At first, it was just a promise. But you had all these people coming in, ex-convicts. People were drunk. They would come in stoned. They would come in with welfare cases. Some of them would come in and they would be nodding out in the seats. But my dad had a vision, he had a promise, and he preached to them as though it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, they begin to rise up and catch it and understand, hey, we do have a promise. And the promise began to unfold, treasures out of darkness. Not only do we have a promise and have a heritage, but we also, God says to, 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 to Joshua, through Joshua, I set you free, Israel. Without me, you would be in bondage. I set you free. It wasn't you that set yourself free. It wasn't Moses that set you free. I used Moses to set you free. You, Moses is not the hero. I'm your hero. Yeah, he's a hero of faith, but I'm your hero of one that got you out. I get the glory. So God reminds him that I set you free in Egypt. 24 verse 5 says, 
Also, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Israel, Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. God brought them out. Basically, he says, I heard your cry, and I sent someone to set you free. Someone was sent to set you free here in the heart of the bay. There was someone that came, someone that came, that said, I'm here, and I hear your cry. God always raises up a man or a woman to accomplish his task. He raised up Moses to be a mouthpiece for him to Pharaoh after he heard the cry of his people. See, God always hears the cry. Exodus chapter three, verse nine says, now therefore behold, the cry of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, therefore and I, I will send you to Pharaoh that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. These were his children. He heard their cry. When your kid cries, do you hear his cry? I have five children, and they all have their distinctive cries. I don't know if you have kids like five or more or, or less or whatever, but you can tell when, I, I can tell when my girl's crying because she's the only girl, okay? That's one I could tell right away. But then I have four boys, and I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, then my 10-year-old daughter, then I have a seven-year-old boy, five-year-old boy. My little one, he has a squealy kind of cry. Right? Like, real high pitch. Then my next one up, he goes, Dad, Dad, Dad. So he does, Dad, until I get over there. I said, what is it? He keeps on saying Dad, so I walk over. But I hear his cry. But sometimes I wait it out a little bit. Wait it out. Wait it out. Maybe he'll stop. Maybe he'll stop. So wait it out. Sometimes God's like that with us. He just waits it out just a little bit longer. See how desperate we are. How bad do we want it? How much do we need them? Is it something that is self-inflicted? Is it something that we could take care of on our own? Or he says, do you really need me? Are you looking for human help? Are you looking for man to help you? Keep on crying unto the Lord. He's going to hear your cry. See, God hears the cry of his people. He hears the cry of those that are in bondage to sin. He hears the cry of the mother praying for her child. He hears the cry of the wife of her addicted husband. He hears the cry of the child whose mother is lost, whose dad is lost. God hears the cry. He hears the cry of the lost young person that's hurting themselves and that's cutting themselves because they're so disgusted with themselves. He hears the cry of all types of people that are hurting and lost all over the world. He heard the cry of the Brazilian little children, street children, we, that we were able to rescue years ago. Now today they're serving God. He heard the cry of South Africa, the people in the streets that are hooked on tick or what they call over there, meth or crack. They're on the streets and dying in the streets. People would take their shoes after they die and wear those shoes until they end up dying in the streets. He hears the cry today here in the south, in the bay, heart of the bay. He hears a cry that's even in the seats. If you have a cry, God hears your cry. Some of you may have family that's crying out. You have neighbors that are crying out. God hears the cry, and he uses people like us to answer the cry. Secondly, he says, not only does he hear the cry, he says, who will answer the cry? Who will answer the call? He hears the cry and does something about it. He looks to see who can he send. He looks throughout the whole earth to see whose heart is turned toward him, whose ear is open to listen whose heart is able to be filled with compassion, whose hands are ready to work, whose feet are able to go. You see, he doesn't look for perfect people. He looks for people that are willing, people that are available. He looks for availability. 
not so much capability. He looks for people that are willing. And he says, I could do something with this person. They have a heart that's turned toward me. They have a heart that's tender. They have a, a spirit that's willing. They have hands that are ready to work. They have feet that are ready to go. He doesn't look for perfect people. Abraham wasn't perfect. He was known to be a liar at times. Moses stuttered and also murdered a man. God still used him. Rahab was a prostitute. God used her. David lied, cheated, and murdered. Jonah was, a pre was prejudiced. Peter was a cusser and showed disloyalty. And he also chopped somebody's ear off. Right before Jesus went to the cross, imagine, he needed some work. So the Bible is filled with imperfect people. Just look at yourself in the mirror. Not perfect. You don't want to look at the person next to you and tell them, if it's your wife, don't do that. <laughs> look, never mind, don't do it. <laughs> We're all imperfect people. We all got some work to do. We all need help at times. But God says, I still could do something. Because you're unlikely, but I make unlikely candidates my prime candidate. Did you catch that? My unlikely candidates become my prime candidates. Because if they feel weak, then I come in with their strength. If they feel low, then I say, you're not low. You are above and not beneath. You're going over, not under. You're the head and not the tail. I've called you great. You may not call yourself great, but I've called you great because I put my spirit inside of you and I put my Holy Ghost inside of you. Now you have power that's beyond your human ability and wisdom that I'm able to give you from heaven. You ever find yourself talking to people and you're saying all the right things? You're like, whoa, it's flowing. That's God's wisdom. Have you been praying for wisdom? And then when it starts coming out, you're like, wow. You're like, man, you're like, you're like, let me buy my own tape if I had one. <laughs> you know when you're in that flow of the Holy Ghost like when I went to Africa last time I found myself in a flow when I went to Brazil I found myself in a flow even here I find myself in a flow wherever I go I'm finding myself more in a flow of the Holy Spirit because the time is short we gotta get the message out we gotta get people to rise up we gotta get people to answer the call and that's what I'm here to do this weekend the call of God to the UTC for some young people. It's called time for you to go to the UTC. Call of God for the mission field. The call of God to be a gang leader. The call of God to be a worship leader. The call of God to be a church planter. The call of God to be a gang leader. The call of God to do something with your life. Not just to be a spectator. Not just to be out there in the stands and say, all right, let me buy some popcorn, peanuts, Cracker Jacks. But they're all the ones playing the field. No, in the kingdom of God, everyone has a role to play. Everyone has a part to play. And God wants to raise you up to be a part of this next move of God. Come on, give the Lord a praise clap. <laughs> Victory Average has only just begun. We're just scratching the surface. God has much more in store for us. 30 countries, over 30 countries, but God wants to double that in the next few years. Next several years, we can see ourselves taking 60 countries. Why not? He's accelerating the vision because the time is short. And the only way for us to accomplish this is people like you, all of us together, united in force and united in vision, united in our giving as well, and united in, in, in saying, I'm willing to go. We could rise up and we could take more nations. He also says, I was with you in battle. He tells Joshua, I was with you in battle. In Joshua 24, 8 through 11 
It says, and I brought you into the land of Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you, from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and, sent and called Balaam, the son of Bor, to curse you. But I would not listen to ba- Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over to the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Pepsilites. But I delivered them into your hand. All the ites. God delivered them. Just think of all the battles you've been through. Look back and say, he delivered me from this. He delivered me from that. He brought me out of this bondage. He brought me out of this battle. He, he got me through this trial. He got me through this situation. The opposition I was facing. Listen, we have a history where God has been with us in Victory Outreach International. See, on their way to possess the promised land, they were opposed. But God delivered them continuously and gave them victory over the enemy. But over the years in Victory Outreach, we've had some battles. There's been some times where we've been accused falsely of things that were not true. Did you know that at one time the FBI was investigating us? You know why? Because we were reaching the mafia. The Mexican mafia started coming to our church and being a part of Victory Outreach. So what did they start doing? They started tapping our phones. The church phone was being tapped. Our house phone was being tapped. We started catching on to it because we would hear like little on the phones. And we started catching on. There's something going on here. We had a group called, called Feed Me. I forgot what it stood for, but it was an acronym. And it was for the Mexican Mafia. So we had several men just straight out of prison meeting as a life group. And so these detectives, they can understand because they're thinking of the natural. They're thinking these guys are using the church as a cover. So in the natural, they start thinking, okay, these guys, there's something going on. I want, they're wondering if it's connected to the pastor, my dad. Now, my dad has that appearance of looking kind of like a godfather, doesn't he? Doesn't he? So you kind of put, in a natural, you kind of put it together. Okay, mm, okay, one and one makes two. So they're probably thinking, man, this guy has a little racket, racket going here. He's doing something here. This is strange. How could these people change? The notorious killers. How could they be converted? So they investigated for several years, few years. I don't know how many exactly. But finally, we had, to, we had to go and fight our battle, and God was with us. We had to set the claim and say, look, we, you got to take us off that list. We were on a list, a national list of possible threats to society because we were harboring these crim- ex-criminals. And so finally, we were able to get off that list, and we were able to sh- show them that, hey, nothing's going on here. It's all about Jesus changing people's lives. <laughs> Come on, somebody. There's been other times where we had people split away from Victory Outreach, start being enemies of Victory Outreach, but we continued with the vision, continue to go forward. Don't let these people deter us from what God wants to use us to do. There was times when people said this could never be done, but we continue to move forward, and God continued to bless you know, there's been battle after battle. And, you know, even in our whole family, there's been battles. My parents at one time wanted to split up. 
I was 12 years old, and they wanted to split up, and they were, they were at, the, at the brink of my dad leaving her. And this is before a big breakthrough that would take place later. So he said, Sonny, you're going to go with me. He was leaving all my other family behind. He picked me. And so I start packing my clothes slowly because I didn't want to go. I was reluctant because I didn't want to leave my mom. So I'm upstairs, and he's saying, Sonny, let's go now. And he kept on yelling at me. My mom, I remember seeing her on the top of the steps. And as I was going down the steps, I was, I was just, this is not happening. I can't believe this. I was walking slowly. He goes, no, hurry up. And I, was, I started in tears, you know, going down the steps, walking out the door with my dad. And um, as we got to the car, my dad, I just remember him kind of looking up for a few moments, kind of taking a breath. And then he says, son, let's go back. Let's go back in. Let's go back in. Just, just imagine for a moment if we really left. Where would we be today? Where would I have been? Where would Esteban have been? He probably would have been lost. He would have broke this whole ministry apart. What God wanted to do could have been broken at that very moment if he would have went with his feeling at the moment. But he turned around, went back in. They reconciled. They had more fights later, but they <laughs> not quite that bad. <laughs> but those are fights. But God wins the battle. God brought, brought those. To, come on. Once you were lost, now you're found. He fought for us. He's going to fight for you. It is only by the miracle working power of God that a man can be set free and completely transformed. A horrible husband can become a loving and caring man. A neglectful father can become a nurturing and godly example to his children. An angry kid can become a respectful, loving son. A broke man can become a provider for his family, for his household. A broken woman can bring healing to the broken women. A nagging wife, drip, 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 can become her husband's greatest asset and encourager. A promiscuous girl can become dignified and pure again. And I can go on and on and on. God is still in the miracle working business. He's done it through our history. He's done it through the history since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He continues today in 2015. He still cares for the homeless. He still cares for the drug addict. He still cares for the gang member. He still cares for the prisoner. He still cares for the broken family. He still cares for the married people that are messed up. He still cares for the hurting young person. He still cares for the heart of the babe. He's not done yet. The promise continues. This vision continues. If you're in the battle right now, don't grow weary. He's with you. You may say, man, I came to church barely making it. You may be described this way. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 to 13 says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. When we say raise your hands, you're like, you're just so weak. And the feeble knees... And make straight the path for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. There's still hope for you. If you're weak right now, God could make you strong. If you're hurting right now, God could heal that hurt. Things will always resist us. They will always come against us. But as we trust and obey God, he is able to fight our battles and give us the victory every time. 
When you can't make it, when you can't fight, you say, God, help me. So greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. If God be for me, who could be against me? Nothing could stop me if God is on my side. If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Holy Spirit, take me where I need to go. Make straight the paths of my feet. Help me to walk circumspectly. Help me to continue to walk in victory. I don't want to be led into temptation. Deliver me from evil. And I pray you help me to grow and to prosper in all that I do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths. More than ever, I'm, I'm trusting. You know, that's a home. We talk about that at home. It's not just a home. It's elder level, too. It's a senior pastor of over 1,000 people. I need to trust the Lord more than ever. I need to obey him more than ever. I need to acknowledge him more than ever. He needs to direct my paths. I'm responsible for too many people. Even my own little children, I got to walk right. I got to live right. I got to do right because a lot depends upon it. I got to be there for Esteban when he needs me. I got to be there for other pastors when they need me. I can't do it in my own ability. I can't do it in my own strength. If this legacy is going to continue, we need more men and women to rise up with that newfound strength that they find in Christ Jesus. If you do it in the flesh, you're going to run out of fuel. If you do it in the spirit, he'll continue to empower you. Come on, somebody. That's how our pioneers have made it this far. Some of them are not done yet. Pastor Gilbert, he's over here traveling all over the world. The Philippines is next, right? Then New Zealand continues with the ministry. He hasn't given up his fire. He's not stopping. Saw him at church in Fremont, then he's over here. Still hungry. Still excited, still vision and vision. We need our, our Joshua generation to continue like that. And then our now generation, you guys, continue like that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> through it all, through all the battles, through all the trials, through all the stuff, he makes us stronger. He makes us wiser. He makes us better. We're not supposed to crumble under the pressure. We're supposed to grow through it, rise above it. The fire is to refine us not to kill us. The storms are not to swallow us up, to drown us. The valleys are not to kill us in the, in the, in the scorching sunlight. We are to find refuge. We are to find strength. We are to find help in our time of need. Who is the king of glory? Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Mm-mm-mm. With the Lord on your side, imagine that, all these angels backing you up. You, you, sometimes we say in the human and the in flesh, who has my back? Nobody has my back. I got just people stabbing me in the back. But when you're in Christ Jesus, when you're seeking him with all your heart, you got the angels behind you, you got the Father behind you, you got the Son behind you, you got the Holy Ghost inside of you, how could you lose? When you start believing it, it gives you like, ooh, I could do this. God has given me the ability to do it. Number five, God says, I have given you what you didn't work for just by obeying. Mm. Pioneers paid a price. Joshua generations, he's given us an inheritance. God has. 
We've inherited. And, and that's what the Bible says. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants shall inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Pastor Stevan inherited this place. I inherited my place. Not just people that are blood, of blood of our pioneers, but also others that are spiritual descendants have inherited certain cities and certain places, houses of worship that they did not build themselves, but they are to build upon. So we should be that much more grateful and not take for granted what has been laid out for us to follow. Does that make sense? So Joshua said, I give you the land for you should not labor, cities you do not build, and not you dwell in them. The Lord had given them land that they would walk, that they walked into that were in battle, had victory, and now they are living in cities that they themselves did not build, but they are now theirs. These cities that we're going into, Victory Outreach, God has paved the way for us. He's made the way straight. He's saying now it's time to possess. Possess these cities that you're not going to have to even labor for because it's going to be harvest time. It's going to be your time, right time, right people, right place, and boom, it's going to be revival. Kind of reminds me of South Africa. Pastor Steve actually is the one that pioneered that, Pastor Steve Sr. He's the one that scouted it out first. And because of that first scout, doors began to open. People began to go. Then it caught the attention of the founder and the elders. How can we maximize the opportunity? So we send in troops, teams. And now from one church in a neighborhood called Mitchell's Plain to Cape Town now, to Pretoria, to Johannesburg. Four different locations in a short period of time. Extravagant growth in a short period of time. Why? Because it's our time. And not only South Africa, I'm sure there's many other cities that we're going to go in. It's not going to take a lot of effort because people are going to be hungry. It's going to take work. It's going to take finances. But people, it's harvest time. So we're going to be searching and looking for these cities. And we're going to need new scouts to go into new cities to see where it's ready. And then when it seems to be ready, then we go back, we spread the vision, people catch the vision, we raise up leaders, we raise up teams, we invade that land, God grows the church, we build a base, they launch out more churches to all different cities in the country, we start taking that land for Jesus. Do you hear the vision coming out? It's in us. It is happening. You say, well, I don't think I could go. I didn't think I could go to Africa for a month, but I'm going. <laughs> you know? But I could probably even do more than that. Some of you may not think you could go. A young man that graduated, you thought you couldn't speak? Look at this guy. I, I couldn't even speak on the phone to order a pizza. When I was 17 years old. I tried to order a pizza, I, was, I would stumble. They'd say, what's your name? I'd say, Sonny. They'd go, what, what, what's your address? Uh, West Covina. Uh, and I couldn't remember the, the address. <laughs> what's your phone number? Uh, I just hung up. I guess I can't do this. It's too much stuff going on here. <laughs> I can't, it's too much information. I don't know off the top of my <laughs> I used to take flying lessons when I was 16 years old. My dad got me flying lessons. You know those little planes, one in, single engine? And... Uh, for about 24 lessons, I did it with the instructor. After the 25th lesson, you got to go solo. That means by yourself. 
So I did all the stuff that you need to do. I did the takeoffs. I did the landings. They have also what you call a stall out in the air where you keep going, going, going until it stalls and you go, you glide. And then you have to restart it mid-air. Mid that was kind of scary. I did all those things and much other things too. But now it came time for me to go solo. You know, I wasn't afraid of those takeoffs, the landings, stallouts, the wind, all the other stuff, elements. What I was most afraid of was talking on that radio. I was like, I would hear him talk, he'd go 922, like fast. I'm like, and then he would hang up and I would go. And I thought to myself, I can never do that. I can do all the other stuff. When God gets a hold of your life, calls you to the ministry. You know, my mom didn't even believe I could preach. She goes, I told her my vision. I said, when I was in Amsterdam, Holland, God showed me, gave me a vision. I'm going to preach all over the world. <laughs> and I couldn't even talk <laughs> to people in the conversation. I was real timid, shy, bashful. But you know what she said on the phone? I was calling from Holland. I was all excited. I had a promise. God gave me a vision. She goes, oh, really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know when they have that high pitch, you know they don't believe you. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Okay, that sounds good. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. I knew it. She wasn't believing me. And then I go talk to the pastor that was presently there. I had a meeting with him. I shared with him the vision God gave me. He looked at me with his glasses, and he kind of said, mm-hmm. Like, sure. Yeah, right. He didn't say those things, but I read it on his face. You know what started happening? I got my first opportunity to preach. Didn't do that great, but I did okay. Then I started preaching different places. Then I came home, became a youth pastor. Then I started preaching more. Then I started preaching in different countries. Now I literally have preached in many countries, just like God said he would do. He says, I'll put my words in your mouth. I'll give you the words you can't even speak. Like even today, I pray, I pray the same prayer. I said, God, put your words in my mouth. It's not me. It's not my experience. It's not my tenure in ministry. It's about you speaking what you want to speak through me. So if you feel like you can't do it, I'm here to tell you what you can't do, God can do. Come on. God gives us what we don't deserve. As we obey and go through the battles and go his way, he brings change, he brings growth and maturity to our lives and we are blessed beyond what we could ever have thought or imagined. Some are still on their way to that blessing. God is not done yet. The promise still unfolding. God is still raising up men and women in this room right now. God is still in process of raising up these treasures out of darkness. Don't give up on the guys in the home. Don't give up on the people that came off the streets. They're just beginning the process. God is still working on them. God is still molding them. God is still shaping them. God is still raising them. God is still filling them. God is still enabling them. If God did it before, he wants to do it again. He's raising up young men. He's raising up young women. He's raising up God's anointed now generation along with our recovery homes. We're raising them up together to take the nations. The descendants shall inherit the nations. 
I believe with all my heart, and I'm seeing it happen right now. We have descendants right now that are in Africa that is promise fulfilled. Joshua lays out a choice for the people. I'm going to bring it home in just a moment. He lays out a choice, and he says, after he lays all this stuff out, part of a new family, new lineage, I've given you promises. I was with you in battle. He says, I'll never leave you for forsake you. He says, I've given you what you didn't work for. He says, all these things, and then he brings it to a head. Remember his last speech, his last time to speak with his leaders before he passes on. He says, now, I have a choice for you people. See, look at all that God has done for us. Look what all that God done for Victory Outreach. Joshua 24, 14 says, now, therefore, whenever there's a therefore, pay attention. Fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods of your fathers. Serve the Lord. What is expected from us, 24:15. He says that once again, choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve. And he goes on to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we have a choice to go back to the old style or the old ways or go forward and make a choice to serve God today. Choose this day who you will serve. Now, how do you make that choice? Four things real quick. Number one, you got to fear the Lord. We got to fear the Lord. In other words, to me, fear the Lord means it's an awe and respect that God is there. And it's also a knowing that when you're in dark places, he's there too. Or when you are tempted, he's right there. And when you feel like messing up, he's right there. That's a fear like, ooh, lead me not to temptation, Lord, because I feel like doing something bad. Texting the wrong people, Facebooking the wrong folks, messing around, dabbling. That's when you start the fear kicks in. Boom. He's right there. You either respond or you reject. I choose to respond. It's not a good feeling to be conflicted in spirit. You know you're doing something wrong. Even if it's not complete sin, but it's a compromise, and you feel bad inside, that's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the better you respond to those convictions, the more free you feel. So when we start talking about, I'm free, I'm free, free, when, you, when you're conflicted, you can't say it with conviction. You're like, you're not all the way in sin, but you're inching toward it. One step. You just dip my toe. Before you know it, you're ankle deep, knee deep, boom, it's a waist, now you're swimming. Going the other way. You lost your fear of the Lord. You lost that conviction. When you lose that conviction, before you know it, your conscience could be seared. Before you know it, you could be hardened even harder than you were before you came to Christ. This is a warning. The Bible says in the last days, many people are going to fall away. You got to take that serious. If people are going to fall away, that means certain people in, possibly in this church could fall away. I, I refuse to believe that for Victory Outreach. But it's possible if we're not careful. Can I hear an amen from somebody? So you got to fear the Lord. If you want to choose this day, then you choose this day to fear the Lord. Secondly, throw away the gods. Throw away the gods. Anything that will hold you hold above him, above God, he is a jealous God and wants to be first in your life. 
you could have a girlfriend that becomes a god. And I got close to that when I got engaged to my wife. I mean, I just couldn't stop thinking about her, you know. So I had to really check myself. I said, God, you're first. Can she be a close second? (laughs) You really are first, Lord. But every time I start praying, her face pops up. But I think that's a healthy good. Okay, that's a healthy love because it's your wife. Could it be your wife? And now she is my wife. But there's other gods that could be before God. Sports, playing golf all day, every day, not doing nothing for God. I mean, your little phones, your devices. Your first thing we wake up, let me check my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram. The other ones, I don't even know all the names. There's too many now to check. Let me like as many people as I can. Comments, comments, comments. Before you know it, you spend over an hour when you could have had that time with the Lord. All because you wanted people to like you or you want to show them, I'm here. And then all these selfies we take. We can make ourselves a God. <laughs> and you know, you, know what, you, know when, you know when somebody posts one? We were talking about this earlier. You know they've really taken 10 before they pick that one. <laughs> Picking the one they really like. I say this, let's make a new rule. The maximum, there's only one selfie per day. I mean, that's even going a little far, but only one. Now, if you do it with a group, that doesn't count. That, that's okay. But if it's just you, come on, brother. Come on, sister. Ten times a day, I think you got an addiction. It's like, And we can't wait for people to be like, like, oh, beautiful, you're awesome, you're gorgeous. (laughs) You ever heard of arthritis, right? Hepatitis? There's a new disease called meitis. Me, myself, and I. The selfie syndrome. All right, so we know there's other things you can put before God, and that's one, but there's many things. Don't put anything before God. God is one. And God needs, wants us to put him first. Thirdly, serve him in faithfulness and sincerity and in truth. Don't have one foot in and one foot out, but be faithful to him. If you're going to serve the Lord, serve him with all your heart. Give it all you got. When I used to play baseball, I gave it all I got. We could be down by 10 runs. I would be there in the ninth inning with two outs saying, guys, we could probably come back if we all get on base. No one make the last out. And I'd be cheering them on, cheering them on because I was given to it. I was completely faithful to it. I gave my heart to it. The same thing in the things of God. When you get your heart to it, you are faithful to it, you become that soldier, you become that warrior, you become that person that's tenacious. You don't give up for nothing. You're going to fight on. You're going to move forward because you're a faithful servant of God. Last one, and serve the Lord, it says again. Serve the Lord. Be a servant of the Lord. Be of use in his hands. Get busy doing his work. We are all called to serve him. Don't be a bench warmer. Don't be somebody on the sideline telling people what to do, but get in the game and do it yourself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, in which he prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared an assignment for you, a work schedule for you, in advance, even before you were saved. He knew when you were going to get saved. He says, now I have a plan for you. 
You see, people, the problem with people today, they live without purpose. You see, and the reason they lack passion is because they have no purpose. First, you got to get the passion for God. Then he gives you a purpose for ministry or for the work of God. There's a, about 70 to 80% of people that hate their jobs. So if they're depressed in their jobs, what kind of purpose is that? Okay, that is used to provide your needs. But when you find a purpose in God, that should light you up because now you're using those means for the things of God. Are you hearing me? So you could be joyful in the Lord even though you don't like your job because you're looking forward to that clock to end so you can get back to the work of God. Come on, somebody. When you have purpose in God, it's more fulfilling than anything. You see, what we do in this world, we'll die. We'll, we'll end up, it'll be temporal. It won't, it won't go with us. What we do for God, it's in heaven. All the stuff we do for him, we're storing up in heaven. Storing up, there's going to be a reward ceremony, and he's going to say, "What did you do for me?" And I want him to say to me, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've done what I've called you to do. You fulfilled my will, and my plan, my purpose. That's why we continue to follow him. Press on, run the race, fight the good fight, finish what God has called us to do, and do it with all of our heart." Amen. Someone come, come to the piano. Let's just lift our hands. Go ahead and if you want to stand, go ahead and stand. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lift your hands if you're ready to do that. Come on. If you're ready to make a new commitment. If you're ready to make a new commitment to the Lord, to be faithful to him, to serve him, to serve him with sincerity of heart to fear him that you're going to choose this day to serve him you may say I'm already serving him but are you serving him with all your heart I'm already serving him but are you really going after him are you going for more or are you just settling right where you're at I think God is calling us to a new levels and at new levels it takes another level of intensity to, able, to be able to get there and to sustain the level he's taking you to so if you're here today and you say, Pastor, somehow you're, you're hitting something with me. And I want to respond. These altars are open for you. I want you to come. Don't even hesitate. Come. Come and let, get more of God. Come on.